Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. Someone needs to just articulate the words of that song and declare it over yourself, I am a child of God. I am dearly and deeply loved by God. I am chosen. I am called by His name. I have been set free, free from oppression, free from sin, free from the stronghold of addiction, free from financial impoverishment, free from generational curses, free from everything that is not of God. I am free. I have been bought with a price. I am worth the blood of Jesus. I have been set free, completely delivered, restored, renewed, re-energized. I am healed. I am whole. Go ahead and make that declaration over yourself. Father, we just thank you because you are here. And we have come to the place of exchange, where we exchange our burdens for your joy. We exchange our witnesses for your strength. We exchange the, the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of unworthiness for your love. We, have, we exchange every failure, every challenge experienced in the course of the week for your victory, for your success. The things that you have gotten for us from the foundations of the world, we receive them as we stay in presence this morning as we abide in you as we wait on you to receive from you instruction direction correction we thank you because we grow in our knowledge of you we are becoming more like you we become more like you Christ is being formed in our hearts we thank you because you have a word for each and every person today including me so spirit of living God move among us let the word of God have free course here. Let hearts be open to receive. Let hearts be made fertile ground for the seeds of your word that will be sown and that this will bear much fruit. It will produce a bountiful harvest of righteousness. We thank you because your word will come forth in simplicity and accuracy, ministering grace to every hearer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Welcome again, everyone. Please let me smile at the person seated beside you and just tell them it's great to have them in service. It's great to be seated beside them. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so I mean, last week, for those who were in service, we celebrated, we worshiped, and we just sealed the victory that we've received across all of the Elevation Church, you know, as we advance in years and we continue advancing kingdom agenda. Uh, we continue the message which we started uh, two Sundays back, just speaking about uh, greatness and living a life of significance. Today's message is titled, The Greatness Imperative, for those who like to take notes, The Greatness Imperative. And I don't want us to be so fixated on the term greatness, yeah? Essentially, when you think about it, um, if I had come and I said I, want to, I, want, I was going to speak on how to be a cool, rich Christian, Maybe I'll get a bit more excitement in the room. Why? Because we know what dollar is saying, you know, um, BWS is okay. Just give us tips and hacks and tricks to how to make it in this life because this economy is getting better in Jesus' name. Yeah. But I want us to just focus for the next two Sundays on God's perspective of greatness and what really it means to him to live a life of significance as he has called us to as his children. The world's point of view, when you hear the term greatness, you very quickly, in fact, if I asked and I said, well, how many people want to be great? 
Let's do that. How many people want to be great? Okay. Yeah. Some people are very spiritual. But if I then asked you, what does greatness mean to you? There's a high likelihood that words like fame, success, affluence are the things that would pop up, even influence for some. These are the words that would easily float to mind because that's the world's point of view. So what does God have in mind when he references greatness? Because he does reference greatness in scripture. And the life of Abraham is one that very clearly depicts this. So let's go into the word. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Let's read from verses 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This scripture is very instructive because this is where we sort of see the foundation. I mean, a lot of us growing up in Sunday school, you, you would sing or you are familiar with the song, Father Abraham has many sons, many sons has Father Abraham. And so, uh, so let us... You get the picture? Yeah, so we all sang this song, but I'm sure when we were singing it, we had no idea, zero knowledge, what Father Abraham had to do. The journey he had to undertake, the journey of faith that he had to undertake. But we see here very clearly, God was telling him a vision. And across scripture, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that tell us that that same promise that was made to Abraham, that same promise of the blessing, that same promise of greatness, is also applicable to us, okay? But that scripture we just read now, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. In these three verses, God not only front loads the intention, the picture, the vision that he has for calling Abraham out, but he also front loads his expectation of him. That this greatness conversation, this my desire to bless you and make you great, isn't just for yourself. Look at how verse 3 ends. It says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So when we say, Father Abraham has many sons, we also are of that same lineage and genealogy by reason of the death and the resurrection of Christ and adoption. We were not born Jews, we are Gentiles by definition, but we've been adopted and so we can claim the same blessing. We can claim the same mandate of greatness. But when we say we're his sons, it is also that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham was someone that was capacitated to bless others. The blessing transcended him and sort of flowed to everybody that is connected with him. And let's see that um, clearly explained in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. 
Christ has redeemed us. We have it up on screen. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14. Can we read together? That the blessing upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, that the blessing of Abraham might come. Remember, I described us earlier as Gentiles who had become adopted. Okay. So we see that has been encoded into the DNA of believers. If you're a New Testament believer, by reason of association, there is a seed of greatness in you. In fact, if we backtrack, when God created man, he already put in him that seed of greatness. He put in him that capacity. When I say greatness, here's what I want you to picture. Because it's probably a shorter word than living a life of significance. Yeah? But that's essentially what we're talking about. We're not talking about how you're going to blow. We're not talking about how you're going to make a um, stupendous amount of money. How you're going to jackpot, have your second or your third citizenship, and just be comfortable. It's interesting that some things are embedded, but they are not the focus. The alternative to living a life of significance is to chase after success, to chase after fame. But you can live a life of significance and fame and success comes to you, whether you want it or not. There's a way it can attract it. But you cannot chase success, chase fame, chase affluence, and still in the same vein, expect to live a life of significance. Because if that is what is driving you, what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear, Forbes 30 under 30, and things like that, you will lose sight of what is most important, and that is it here, encapsulated in Genesis 12, that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So, there are two prevailing mindsets I want us to just look at very quickly. You know, that can either enable or hinder a life of significance. One is a pioneering mindset. And the second is a settler mindset. With a pioneering mindset, the individual is one who lives by revelation. I spoke about that two Sundays back. That we are in the age and time where we will be doing ourselves great injustice if we live lives ordinarily. The Spirit of God on the inside of you, you need to place a demand on revelation. People who are led by God, what does scripture say about them? They that know their God, what? They are strong and they do exploits. So regardless of the way things are going on in the economy, regardless of the way things are going on in your industry, in your family, what keeps us sane? And that was why I started out earlier to say, I don't know how people who don't have Jesus are living in this world. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on. And perhaps there's someone in the room listening to me or even listening online where you feel like you are in a season of a siege. It just feels like there's a siege. You know, there's some stagnancy you're dealing with. It feels like nothing is working. Nothing seems to be moving. If anything, things seem to be going, you know, upside down and just... You feel like you're in a state of anarchy and chaos. You feel really helpless. My assignment this morning is to remind you that God has overcome for you, just as the band sang earlier. That Jesus has already overcome. But you need to keep your eyes on him. 
Scripture speaks about us looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's already won this battle. He says in his word, in this world, you will go through trials. You will go through tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. I have overcome. And because Jesus already overcame on your behalf, it means you have overcome. And so your responsibility, eyes on him. Eyes on him. Thanking him for the victory. Eyes on him. Believing that he has done it already. Eyes on him. Drawing down on the deposits of the victory that he has made available for you. Drawing it down and declaring a manifestation in your very own circumstance. Eyes on Jesus. So a pioneer lives by revelation. He lives from a source greater than himself. He's one who derives inspiration, strength, and grace from the Holy Spirit. While a settler, on the other hand, the one who operates with a settler mindset, is one who lives by reaction. You are reacting to the market trends. You are reacting to the global economy. You are reacting to what they said on the news. You are reacting to what your parents said. And your life is just driven by reaction. The person with a settler mindset is driven by feelings. How I'm feeling. How I'm thinking. Those are the things that drive the one with a settler mindset. Another thing to know, a differentiating factor between the both of them also is this. A pioneer embraces new opportunities. A pioneer doesn't shy away from challenge. The one who has a pioneering mindset doesn't shy away from new challenges. Sees problems as opportunities, you know, to, to do something new. To bring innovation and creativity to bear. While the one with a settler mindset lacks vision. Is risk averse prefers stability and predictability. And that's not a bad thing, by the way. Prefers stability and predictability. But you see, when you prefer your comfort zone to divine instruction and revelation to forge ahead, to step out, just as God will show up to Abraham and say to him, leave your father's land, leave your country, leave everything that you have, and come out to a land that I will show you. He has no idea what the final destination is, but he will get up and he will go. Sometimes God wants to shake us. In fact, in this season, this last quarter, there is a shaking that needs to happen for some people because in that place you are, you know how scripture says in Deuteronomy, you have circled this mountain far too long. That is for someone here. You have gotten so comfortable and God is saying, there is more ahead. I need you to arise from this place. I need you to step out from this place. Because the more that I see what I designed, you're still so far away from it. You are enjoying trickles now when there are showers ahead. But you need to get up and step out. And so the person with a settler mindset can be caught in the orthodoxy trap. The person may have started out with a pioneering mindset. person may have, you know, 
come up with new initiatives, may have started a new business, you know, to, went out on a leap of faith and started a new, a, a, a new job in, in a new industry, started even a, a new career path, transitioned from one career. Some people are in their second careers. I know people who have even ventured into their third careers now. And it's almost as though God keeps opening up new vistas for them, new frontiers for expression. But the person with a settler mindset is one who will say things like, this is how we've always done it, so let's just leave it like that. Why change what works? This is how we've always, why reinvent the wheel? This is how we've always done it. The person is comfortable with innovation of yesteryears that have become obsolete and they have recognized, they fail to recognize that God has moved from there. That is orthodoxy trap. The person is no longer innovating. So taking this conversation forward, I want to use the example of someone to describe both. And it's Peter. We're all very familiar with Apostle Peter. Peter, when Jesus was with them, in Matthew uh, 14, we see how Peter would, Jesus would show up on, on the sea. They were expecting him. Well, he shows up, they see a man walking on the water. All his other companions said it must be a ghost. But Peter recognizes this, is, this has got to be the Lord. And he says, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Peter would, Jesus would say, simply, simple word, come. Peter steps in. If we were a Bible study this morning, Pastor, I also referenced the same scripture about Peter walking on water. It had never been done. Prior to that time, it hadn't been done. Jesus was the only person they all saw doing it. And even at that, the people with him thought they were seeing a ghost. They were still very unsure that it was Jesus. In fact, by the time Jesus confirmed to them that oh, it is me, they, their expectation, okay, Jesus is fine. When you finish these signs and wonders, you will get to the boat and you will join us in it. But Peter saw an opportunity for something new. And he says, Lord, if it is you, ask me to come. And he steps out. What? him. Of course, if you, if, you, if you are familiar with that story, you know how at some point he began to consider the boisterous winds and he starts to sing. But he knows well enough to reach out for help. Now take the same Peter that walked on water and put him side by side. A couple books later, Acts, in the book of Acts, after Jesus had left them. In Acts 10, God will call Peter, will show him a vision. And he would ask him to eat unclean animals. And this same person that was willing to be creative, to be innovative, all of a sudden becomes a stickler for process and for how we've always done it. He says, God, you cannot, I mean, like how do you challenge the person that gave the law? He says, God, are you, are you processing this matter very well? How do you ask me to eat unclean things? And God will say to him three times. He will show him that vision. Don't call unclean what I have made clean. God was trying to take Peter out of an existing obsolete mindset and open him up to new frontiers. Help him understand that the gospel has now been made available to the Gentiles. And so, you could not sit high and mighty. In fact, it was an opportunity for Peter's ministry to also be expanded. And we might very quickly sit on our self-righteous chairs and condemn Peter to say, I mean, 
Was he not thinking? Was he not connected in the spirit to have figured out that God was onto something? God was introducing a new order. But the question to ask ourselves is this, you and I, in our daily life and living, in our places of work, in our business, in our families, in our communities, in our nation, where are the places that God has been trying to get us to see differently, to change perspective, to see what he is doing? But we have been very stuck in how we've always done it before. That's something to reflect on. And so, when the settler processes feelings, now I need to say this very clearly because there's a way you can approach this message and it feels very, are you saying our feelings are not valid? Your feelings are valid. Our feelings, our collective feelings are valid. How you feel about the economy, how you feel about the nation, how you feel about your negative experiences or your past experiences, how you even feel about your boss, feel about your organization, feel about your industry, how you feel about your friends, everything is all right. This is not to condemn your feelings here, so please hear me and hear me, and I trust that the Holy Spirit is expounding these things in your heart and helping you see very clearly um, what he's saying, what God is saying to us this morning. But there are ways that we can handle our feelings. I said earlier that the person with a settler mindset would react, yeah? There's another approach, which is to respond to the feelings. To react usually is negative because you are emotion-laden when you react. When you respond, it, ha it can be good, it can be bad. But there's a higher level or a higher dimension, and it is to rise above the feelings. Can I have somebody bring me a chair very quickly from the band? I think that's the easiest. Oh, well, there's a spare chair here. Sorry, I guess I should have mentioned this earlier. Forgive me. But quickly, 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 do we have a chair? Thank you. Okay, that's fine. I just want to demonstrate the three um, dimensions for you. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. Okay, so, yes, it's fine. Now, for, I'm going to use myself as an example. Let's assume I'm dealing with a major life issue. Yeah, um, I have an opportunity to either react, to respond, or to rise above it. Now, when I react, it can be messy. So, this is the life issue, which is currently an impediment, a blockade in my journey of significance. In fact, in my journey in life in general. My reaction can cause me to kick, and I hurt myself in the process. My reaction can cause me to sit on it and to start to wail and cry. That's also a reaction. My reaction can get me to talk about it. Talking about it to the wrong people, perhaps where I'm not able to get wisdom, or I'm not even talking to God about the issue. Different types of reactions that may not necessarily move the needle or keep me longer in that face than necessary. The second is to respond to it. Now, my response can be, this is an impediment in front of me. I can decide to carry it, move it to move it out of the way. Okay? So that I can continue on my journey. That's a response and it's a good one. It's okay. I decide to maybe climb above it, you know, 
that's also an, an okay response. But when we have been called to live a life of significance, we are expected to rise above it. Putting in mind everything I have described about the person with a pioneering mindset, which is the person is driven by revelation. The person, you know, derives strength, grace, and inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Rising above it can be getting a word, getting strength to lift this burden and to, please, Emmanuel, come and help me, just move it completely out of the way. So much so that not only do I remove that impediment for me, I remove it for every other person that is going to come through that journey. Does that make sense? That is rising above it. I not only cleared the way for myself, I cleared for every person that will journey through. Go back to Genesis 13 that we read earlier. That in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Are we following? So, there are two myths I want to address very quickly. A life of significance, or before I address that myth, let's use someone in scripture to also demonstrate this. How many of you remember the story of David? Um, when the people of, uh, the Amalekites attacked Ziklag. Scripture says that David came back with his men and they realized that the entire village had been burned down. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been captured. Scripture says that the people were so grieved, his men were so grieved that they talked about stoning him. I mean, I don't want to, I was going to say, I don't want to be that, I don't want to be in David's shoe there. Where you too, you also experienced it all. It's not that they spared your own family. We all lost people together. Our houses got burnt together. And yet, because I'm the leader, they all turned against me. Hell, it could not have been an interesting time for David. But David did not react. He didn't even respond. Because let me tell you what response looks like, yeah? Response in that particular scenario would have been for David to say, what? How can this be? Never. Something. Men, let's go. David rose above. The scripture says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. One. Two, he called Abiathar the priest, bring me the effort. He goes ahead to inquire of God. You know, every time I read that scripture, I always ask God. I'm like, this man is a husband. He's a father. His family had been captured. He had every moral justification and standing to go after the people that captured his family. He didn't have to ask God. But when you rise above your feelings and you operate not from a place of your emotions, Scripture says he asked God, shall I go? And God said, go. Not only will you give him a word, not only will you go, you will pursue. You will overtake. And without fail, you will what? Recover all. That is the life we've been called to, to live. Family. That is the life that we have been called to live. That in the face of opposition, in the face of oppression, you are seeking God's face for that word concerning the situation. That you will not move until you hear clearly what God is saying about the matter. That you will not react or respond until you know that there is an alignment with God's will and the solution that you are considering deploying. Us being in constant alignment 
is extremely critical to living a life of significance, and I'll talk about that in a bit. So, um, two myths that we need to bust this morning. A life of significance is for those of a certain age. That's incorrect. That's completely incorrect. Because you look at it and you're like, well, it's for people I'm too young or I'm too old. Let me give you an example of two people in that category. First of all, there was a David who, as at the time, he was going to fight Goliath. They didn't think he was able to. They didn't think he was even qualified to. But the power of preparation, we will, go and, we will, we will see that in, in, in just a bit. Another person here was Moses. 40 years after, the same passion that he had when he was 40 and he tried to fight on behalf of his brethren. And God took him to the backside of the desert where for 40 years, Moses' life and journey was quiet. He was tending sheep. But by the time God was done with him, when they called Moses and said, Moses, at the burning bush at Mount Horeb, Moses, I'm sending you to go. Moses, all of a sudden, he was not as confident anymore. Oh, I can't speak well enough. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm too old. Oh, God, how will you do this thing with me? And perhaps that is something that someone here is struggling with or someone listening online. You think you're too young for that assignment. You think that you are inadequate. You see, when you have, when God gives you a vision, usually it is bigger than you. If it is what you can handle, then it's not, it's not God-sized. When he would give you something to do, it must be bigger than you. So that you can lean and depend on him completely. Because it's his vision anyway. So, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm not good enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not... The things that we say, that, and we constantly speak in adequacy, that's not how God sees us. When he places an assignment in, on you or places a burden in your heart, by the time you start, you unlock levels of grace to be able to get the work done because it is his work. And he must equip you with everything that you require to get it done. A life of significance is for a select few and not for people like me. For people with affluence and influence, fame and success, it's for people of a certain social class or pedigree. It's for people of certain exposure levels. While preparing these notes, this one was very strong in my heart. There are a couple people who feel that because I'm not exposed or I'm not well exposed means that I can't, get to, I can't attain certain levels. That God can't entrust certain types of responsibilities to me. Now, this message isn't one that is saying to you to sit on your behind and not improve on yourself. Not take advantage of opportunities to grow your skill to expand your mind, expand your worldview. It is not until you travel. Thank God for the internet. Thank God for technology. You can know what's going on in other countries. You can see the landscape of other countries. What is that um, career path that you've been given? How are you resourcing yourself? You don't have to go and do a $2,000 course. You don't even have to go and do an advanced uh, or an MBA program in a very expensive school. There are free courses online, of courses that cost $50. Are you growing your mind? Are you preparing for the day of battle? 
preparing for opportunities to come your way. How are you scaling up? Please let me ask the person seated beside you. How are you scaling up? How are you scaling up? So David did not fit the bill. In fact, you know, it's one thing for you to think, I'm not good enough. But when your parents don't think you are good enough, there's a problem. Because Samuel shows up and he would ask a very simple question. God has sent me to this house to anoint somebody here. Bring out the sons. Why didn't they start from the last child? Because the father did not think it could be David. Number eight. Nah. There was Eliab. Fine boy. Kingly somebody. He had presence. But God said, outward appearance is what you all are looking at. I'm looking at the heart. And they would do all the way to number seven. The prophet had to ask, isn't there any other child in this house? Because God does not make mistakes. He obviously sent me here for a child, but all the people you brought, it's not them. And father said, oh, the last child is tending the sheep. Go and send for him. May we never be forgotten on the day of our manifestation in Jesus' name. But I feel like if I was David, let's leave the matter. I'm, I'm a regenerated being. <laughs> but I like to have a one-to-one with my dad. You know, let's set, let's set things straight, dad. But we see how it didn't look like it fit the bill. Now, I want us to do multimedia. Please let me put up David's CV. So I asked Demilade to help me put together a CV for David. And, you know, if David was applying for a job in our world today, um, well, maybe not in our world because we don't fight battles with swords and slings and spears, but you get the point. So we did a resume for him. Thank you so much, Bishop, for helping out. You can see very long something. Speaking to, oh, who he is, what he's done, his um, expertise, anointed king at 15 and all that. Please go to the next page because we don't have time to go through it. This is where I want us to focus. Professional experience. Full stack warrior and militant leader. Boarding warrior and worship leader. But please go to the very last place because that is where it all started from. Shepherd boy and ministry associate. <laughs> As sole supervisor over my father's sheep, I monitored their well-being and safety in the harshest conditions. I developed sheep defense strategies and weapons to ensure that our investment was always secure. In my time, I single-handedly defeated a lion and a bear. Do you know why this was the bedrock for um, David's anointing as king and him ascending to the throne? Even though he was anointed at what, age 17 or so, but he didn't get to that throne until what age? Oh, yeah, Bible scholars. Until what? Over 30, sure. But this formed the bedrock. You know why? Because in Psalm 78, I think it's verse 76 or so, Scripture says, God said that I chose David and I put him over my people because of the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. And so my question to you this morning, the God that created you, that put in you talents, abilities, giftings. There are things that you can do effortlessly that people cannot do like you. When David, nobody was watching, backside of the desert, no limelight, nothing. That's why we built this CV, just so you, to show you how he advanced. 
He was honing those skills. He wasn't honing them against him becoming king. David never had ambition to become king. He didn't even have the desire. Because if he did, it would have reflected in how he navigated his dealings with Saul. But he was good at what he did. When Saul needed someone to come and serve in, the, in his um, palace, that's the ministry associate's role there. When Saul needed someone, they recommended him. They said, this guy is brave. He fears God. He's handsome. He's skilled in musical instruments. So what is that thing that God has given you to do? That you have neglected and called small. That you have despised. Because it was this. Him being able, ability to kill a lion and a bear. Saul had not killed lion. None of the warriors had killed lion or bear prior to that time. Yes, they had been killing men. But they had not killed a lion and a bear. Men are reasonable. Animals are not. They only know go. But he would defend the sheep. And for that, God saw something. That if this guy would be this devoted and dedicated to animals, uh-uh, I can entrust my people into his hands and they will be fine. So please don't despise what God has given to you. Don't call it small. The question God would ask Moses at Mount Horeb, he says, what is in your hands? I ask you that same question. Because oftentimes when we think about a life of significance, we think it is far removed from the skills, the abilities, that, and the talents that God has given us. Those things he has given to you, those things. Some of you are great at number crunching. Some of you can write so well, you will move people to tears. Some of you know how to, you, 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 you are creative, you know how to put stuff together. Some people are great at organizing. Some people are great at singing. We, we are replete with so many things. Some people, you know how to analyze, you're very analytical. You see situations and you see it differently from you, everybody's seen it. Some people step into situations and they just know what to do. You are great at problem solving. But still, it's not enough. Why? Because it's not flashy. It's not shiny. It doesn't look like the thing that will bring money sharp, sharp. And so we disdain it. But this morning, God is saying to remind you, I created you. And I want to quickly read a scripture from, um, as we wrap up, Isaiah 45 verse 9. How to live a life of significance. Because just listening to me talk, I've spoken about mindsets. I've spoken about the myths. And I've spoken about what greatness is to God, which is a life of significance. So how, how? First of all, you need to recognize inherent capacity within you. You need to recognize the vision that God has given to you. Gain a sense of vision for yourself and for impacting your world. You need to recognize impediments. What are the things you need to be aware of? The things that you need to avoid. A life of significance is a life that is yielded and submitted to God. There cannot be room for bad behavior, unwholesome or unhealthy appetites. If there are things that you need to deal with, ask God for strength. Ask him for grace. I love Jumoke's God experience. And please let us celebrate her. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and for sharing with us. God doesn't want us hiding ourselves from him. Part of what she didn't say to you then was I used to chase her. But, and I noticed that she was avoiding me. But God doesn't want us. We are his children. He wants to know what's going on with you. He wants to know those struggles. He wants to talk to you about them. More importantly, he wants to deliver you from them. So don't hide from God. Don't run away from him. If you need counseling, please feel free to reach out to any of our pastors. Just go to the info point desk. There's something you want people to pray with you about. There's something you want to get help over. 
Please go to the info point desk today and take action. Stop sitting in there. Stop sitting. It might have been caused by anything in your, in your past. But don't wait. Don't wait any longer. We've come to the place of exchange and God wants you free. He wants you healed. He wants you whole. Because when he sees you, that's what he's seeing. So you need to come into that place and be who he has called you. So the next thing aside from recognizing vision, recognizing capacity and recognizing impediments is alignment. Seeking God's will and thoughts concerning your journey. Don't do this life without God. Please don't do this journey without him. There is a script, there is a plan. Scripture says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. The thoughts that I have for you, they are good thoughts. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. Thoughts to bring you to a great, a victorious expected end. God is not a liar. God is not a liar. He stands by his word. If he has said, I have great thoughts for you, I have great plans for you, then indeed he has. And someone needs to believe that. Someone needs to believe that my end is turning out well. I am expanding on all sides. I am becoming the best version of me because God has great thoughts for me. You need to believe it and you need to say it. Every time the enemy start, tries to make a mess of you, look him in the eye. I'm a child of God. Called by his name. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Far above principality and power. I'm an eternal excellence. I'm a royal priesthood. It doesn't matter if you just had sex last night. You are coming out and you are saying, I am forgiven. I am free. I am restored. My righteousness is not of me. It is of God. I am in right standing with him. I am in alignment with him. I know who I am. Alignment. And the last one is obedience. Capacity to receive and obey divine promptings and instructions. Saul, concerning Saul, Scripture says, God said, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as long as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. God is big on obedience. That was what Abraham demonstrated. And that was why he could walk in the fulfillment of that mandate of greatness. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. As you sing that Father Abraham song, and as you claim to be his son or his daughter, you need to know that there's a responsibility that you have. And it is to obey his promptings, obey divine promptings, receive instruction from him and obey. Be in alignment with him. And I pray that as we do these things, God would guide us. He would lead us. He will show us the path to walk. There are strategies that would evolve, that you would deploy from your life, that you will know it is not. In fact, for, this, for the sake of the things that are even happening in our economy and in our world now, you will thrive in the name of Jesus. We have seen it in scripture. We have a cloud of witnesses that have demonstrated that even when goings are bad, God's children will thrive. And because you thrive, it's not just about you, that the people around you, you would provide succor. You will make a provision for them as you thrive in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to just pray. Close your eyes very quickly and pray. And just talk to God. This message would have touched you in certain areas. So please go ahead and speak to him very specifically. How and what it is that you want him to do. Someone needs to ask God, Father, what is next for me? What is next for my family? What is next for my career? What is next for my business? Someone else needs to ask God, 
who are you sending me to? That indeed through me, the families of the earth will be blessed. Who are you sending me to at this time? Someone else needs to ask God. Which of the problems is mine to solve? Which problems do I need to address? Which ones do I need to fix? Which ones have you called me to? In the mountains of societal influences, where have you placed me? In arts and entertainment, in media, in religion, in business, in family. Where have you placed me, God? And which problem is mine to solve? Today, I move from this level to a level where I share your burden. I move from this level to a level of greater impact and significance. In the name of Jesus, I move from the place where all I'm fixated on is just what I will eat and I, how I will be okay. And it is fine to desire, you know, material success and to be okay. But beyond that, God is calling us to a life where we partner with him to advance kingdom agenda. Where we partner with him to ensure that lots of lives of people are better. He's calling us to a life of impact. Someone else needs to pray. What's this new thing that God wants to do through me? Father, what is this thing you want to do through me? I open up myself for it. I yield to it. Someone else wants to pray and say, God, what can I leverage to achieve these desired outcomes? What are the things that I can leverage? What is in my hand? What skills have you given to me? What can I put into the earth in this season and at this time? Who are the people that I need to partner with and collaborate with in this season and at this time? Open my eyes to see. Show me in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you. We give you all praise, Holy Spirit. Thank you for breathing and brooding upon our hearts and stirring us to action. We thank you because this week is blessed. Thank you because you go with us. And we will live for you every day of our lives, Lord. We commit to fully yielding to your plans, to your purpose, and to be in alignment with you. We say, Father, that we love you and we give you all praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. We hope that the message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng. For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org.